On this month's episode of the Soundwriter Show, we are talking about a plethora of Northwest track days in 2021. We're talking about remodels at a few shops around the Puget Sound and a Ducati Diavel combo that you just can't pass up this year. All that and more on the Soundwriter Show. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Clem's Enumclaw Power Sports, your South Sound destination for your favorite brands like Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Can Am, and Kimco. And Clem's goes beyond motorcycles to satisfy all your outdoor passions with a full line of UTVs, ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, and cargo trailers. Have you got a dirt bike you want to convert to a snow bike? Visit Clem's today and discover all the possibilities. Hi, this is Chris Fant with WomenADVWriters.com. Welcome to the Sound Writer Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Writer Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show, the New Year's edition where we are popping wheelies and champagne in anticipation of a ride-filled 2021 ahead. Joining me as always in top hat and sash, publisher and founder of Sound Rider, Mr. Tom Marin. And riding into a new year on the same old bike, I, of course, am self-appointed editor-at-large, Derek Roberts. Tom, can you believe it, man? We survived another one. Here we are, 2021. Oh, if we can survive that one, then uh, <laughs> we have no problem surviving anything else. That's right. I think uh, we're all looking forward to a, uh, an exciting and uh, hope-filled, ride-filled enjoyable 2021 and what better way for both you and i and our listeners to kick that off than with a inaugural episode of the sound rider show right hey you know it's the beginning of the seventh year of doing this i i can only believe that by looking into the mirror and seeing uh increased amount of uh gray hair coming in now i don't know if that's cause and effect or if that's just nature doing its thing but i haven't uh, seen you in a long time (laughs) i don't know if i'll recognize you next time i see you that's right now it's still uh thankfully uh i think for both of us still uh mostly healthy and happy as we go into uh 2021 and you know for better or worse a lot of industry players are coming off of a great year too and uh that just rolls right into some 2021 models that are going to start to hit the floor here as well, we kick hold off on, i have a question year. for you yeah uh, did you have any new year's uh predictions uh you know predictions in the year ahead it's it's a little tricky i will say um that i think I think the first half, I think, is going to be another another strong year. So I, it's hard for me to kind of look beyond the six-month mark. But I think we're still going to see some carryover from a lot of the excitement of people wanting to get out, ride dirt and adventure bikes. We saw that last year. I think that's going to, I think that's going to continue. How about you, though? Do you've got some, some insights for the new year? Yeah, hey, I'm going to go back to my prediction a couple of years ago. This is the year you're getting a new motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> 
seven years running. Well, I would say that uh, this year is more likely than in years past. But uh, would you have any advice for me? What would you What would you pick out for me for a new motorcycle? Let's. I'd have you get a Tenere seven hundred. You think that would be the winner, huh? I think that'd be the one. Well, I am a uh, I am a fan of those, but you know, in that same adventure bike category, we are going to see for sure some new models in uh, the new year here. And then there are also a few that we might see some concepts. And of course, one that's going to arrive on showrooms, supposedly, I guess we should always throw that caveat there with the caveat with Harley Davidson, but the Pan American, it's supposed to finally be here in February. What do you think? Is it going to make it? Uh, Yeah, I think it'll make it. Oh, those guys don't have anything else to do, do they? (laughs) Just sit around and build adventure bikes now, right? That's right, but uh, we are starting to see uh, some more concrete speculation. How's that for a a paradox? But uh, some figures are starting to come on on potential horsepower and weight. We're saying 150 to 160 horsepower. Yeah, when you say... Less than 550 pounds. Oh, they got some weight out on it, huh? Well, it's... Wasn't it like 100 pounds more than something else in its category? Huh? That's where I thought oh. the concrete speculation was coming from. Uh, it's 100 pounds more than uh, <laughs> 450 pounds of concrete for sure. But but what do you think? If they can get this out at 550 pounds or less, I've even heard some sub-500 speculation, which I would be blown away at. But with that kind of reported power-to-weight ratio, do you think that they can make a viable run here? Do you think they can make a pretty good adventure bike? Uh, well, that'll be... That'll have to remain to be seen. But I think in the first couple of years, they'll probably sell a few because, you know, um, we know this from looking at our subscriber base that a lot of people that own Harley-Davidson, if they own another brand, it's BMW. So what do you think they probably own in the BMW lineup? Most likely an adventure bike. Yes. Yeah, because what would be the the purpose of, you know, having a – a touring bagger from Harley Davidson and then doubling up with some sort of cruiser, you know, like what is the R 18 or whatever they just released on the other end. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that would make the most sense to me. That would seem to, to mesh well and be a compliment. On the other hand though, it's those BMW adventure bike riders are going to be pretty tough to win over. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Well, that's why I think it'll be their, their customers that own BMWs that will buy the uh the pan american i don't and think you, you're going to see bmw people migrate you know who don't own harleys i don't think you see them migrate over to a harley yeah now what uh what if though this hits the showroom floors and let's just let's get completely crazy here let's say that it is 498 pounds i think that's right around the weight of like an africa twin um, and let's say it puts out, like it's say they're saying it's going to 150 to 160 horsepower. Haven't seen the suspension travel, but I assume that it's all going to be in line with some of these a bit bigger adventure bikes. Is that going to, is that going to cause enough, uh, curiosity to at least get a push on test rides? Are people going to be willing to at least ride it and honestly evaluate it? Or are those bloodlines going to stay? you know, kind of drawn in the sand there where people are just going to continue to discount it until we get a few years down the road. Is it going to have to prove itself that way? 
Uh, I you know we'll have to go back to the Buell Ulysses and mm-hmm. look at the the way that one went, um, because that I, I you know obviously the the demographics have changed now, but I think in the world of the psychographics, there's still there's going to be people who are interested, and there's always people who are buying a new bike every other year or so. And and they'll bite into it and they'll give it a shot. They may only keep it for a year or two, but uh, I, yeah, there's there's going to be people who are going to want to ride the bike for sure. Yeah, well, I will be in there. I will be down to one of our local Harley Davidson dealerships. I am forecasting as soon as they announce test rides, probably within the first week or two. And I should mention too, some of the speculation also has a price tag at seventeen k, which uh, I found if that. If they deliver on that, that seems to be remarkably affordable. I would have, you know, 12 months ago, I would have forecasted 22000 at a base for a Harley-Davidson. But if they can do seventeen five, eighteen five, that seems to be pretty competitive. Hey, you know, that's only three times more than their electric bike that they're going to come out with. Their electric and, bicycle, $6,000 electric bicycle. How about <laughs> that? And you, get, you could get the Pan American for only three times as much. That's right. Just uh, Or you could get a, uh, a Harley-Davidson Livewire for five times as much. Yeah. Right. And add a couple vertebrae to your back while you do yeah. it so you can get a proper seating position. Yeah, that is uh it's it's definitely a little more sport bike oriented there, the uh the live wire. How but, about that um, live wire? Are you seeing those all over the place now? Uh on the road or in dealers? On the road. Uh, I haven't I don't think I've seen one no, actually I, I take that back. I've seen one in the wild. Um but that's it. That's that's all I have seen so far. And of course it's been kind of you know wintertime here for the last couple of months. But have you seen any? Oh yeah, well you wouldn't road? want to take your live wire out in the winter, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I wonder if – I guess you can hook your electric uh, clothing up to it, huh? And then you take the battery down even sooner? Uh, yeah, I would – I guess that's a great question. I would – I don't know. I've, I've never even considered that an electric motorcycle. How are the uh, – uh, how are ancillary electronics handled? Uh, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. What you could do is is you could just buy a live wire and just put it in your living room, and that way if your electricity ever goes out, you could just plug your heated gear into the live wire and stay warm until you drain that battery. You just <laughs> fire it up. Maybe that will be uh, the generate – well, Gen 2, which doesn't sound like it's going to happen. But uh, if they – looking forward, maybe that will be Harley-Davidson's new space they'll try to get into is uh, home lithium generators a la Tesla. Mm. Boy, oh boy, now I know what I want for Christmas in 2021. There you go. Start planning ahead already. But, uh, you know, back to the motorcycling world here a little bit. You know, that's not the the Pan American isn't the only speculative. Well, this isn't speculative, of course, but there are some speculation that we might see, like the Husqvarna Norden 901. And, of course, still the KLR 650. Do you think uh, we're going to see either one of those delivered in 2021? Uh, Not the KLR. Don't think so. Even no, I think we would have seen enough spy shots and that sort of thing by now of it. It's a but good we point. Haven't. Yeah, which that may prove to be better off long term because if they push something out now, there's a likelihood that you know that most of the Japanese manufacturers do that it would be just sort of a 
a knockoff isn't appropriate because that wouldn't be well maybe it is i guess but we would we wouldn't want to see just a knockoff tenere 700 with the kawasaki branding right isn't that interesting how kawasaki knocked out the klr 650 just in time for yamaha to come in with the 700 tenere Oh, you think maybe they're uh, doing some handshake deals behind the... uh... I don't know. I mean, because obviously they needed to redo the KLR for a long time. I mean, you know, they they said they redid it, but it was basically the same technology for 20, 30 years. Yeah, they just made it heavier. Yeah. But it needed to, you know, it needed to get upgrades in suspension, brakes, uh, fuel injection, all that stuff. Yeah, it definitely needs all that. You know, a little bit of a horsepower bump certainly wouldn't hurt that. So we'll see. But you don't think there's any chance that, um, you know, late spring, early summer, they try to roll that out and make a splash midseason? Well, if I was Kawasaki, I'd do the same thing Yamaha did. I'd tease that bike for like 18 to 24 months beforehand. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's hard to argue with that strategy, um, and particularly when you look historically, I've, th- these motorcycles have, you know, paid for themselves dozens of times in R and D costs. So why not get it right, and then you know, in 2040, we'll be sitting around going, you know, the uh, 2021 KLR 650 really needs an update, right? And they'll be yeah, I'll be saying that right from my bed at the home. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be removing tires and adding, uh, you know, hover gear or whatever we need to to get into future generations there. But and then what about the Norden though? Do you think uh, Husqvarna pulls that off? Because there are some spy shots out there, and um, it would make sense. Norden nine hundred one, KTM eight ninety Adventure. It seems like that would be a some logical crossover there. Is that something? Well, so you think they're going to share parts like they do on some of the other bikes? I would imagine so. I mean, why would you do anything differently, right? I mean, all that R&D went into the 790. I think the 890 was rushed out a little bit more. I heard that that was, uh, you know, emissions, more or less emissions requirements that they had to meet, which was the reason they had to bump up to the 890. But uh, well, I, and I, uh, what was it? The Vitpillin? How do you say it? Yeah, I never learned how the, to say that. But yeah, uh, they got the Spark Pillin and the Vitpillin. Yeah, right? I mean those those carried along some technical issues out of those motors that they never solved, and then they put those bikes out, and it was like, what are you doing? So yeah, and there were some man. I tell you, last year there were some smoking deals on some of those four hundred ones. They were letting hot deal bikes go. It was like. I think it was like three thirty nine hundred dollars for a brand new motorcycle at wow. some point. There you go. They got yeah, that cheaper than a Harley Davidson electric bicycle. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> Gotta pick your battles, I guess. That's the uh, that's the the lesson there. But um, but those are kind of some of the the adventure bikes. Because you know, if I do, if I were to upgrade or replace, or I don't think I'd ever replace, but if I were to make good on your New Year's resolution for me and move into a new motorcycle, it would certainly be adventure oriented and uh i think all three of those i would at least i would at least give a test ride if they if they come out this year get something with uh with the 18 rear 21 front or a 19 rear and uh so you have a nice road burner but you're going to be good when you do go off road you know yes yeah no you definitely want that and you would you would anticipate that a klr 650 would maintain that and i believe the norden 901 i think meets those specifications i can't 
something tells me that uh, the Harley Davidson has a, a 19 inch up front, but you know what? Maybe not. I shouldn't say that. I don't know for sure. That'll be interesting to see. I, I haven't looked at the specs. I don't think it's a 21 on the front. It's a, it's a road burner bike. That's really what it is. You know, I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I think that's like they're a GS, do... like, a, you I... know, like a 1250 GS. It's just like, you know, you're really going to go and ride this thing in the woods all day, or you're looking for something to go down some fire roads with and have a nice time and travel some long miles on. And, uh, you can't, you can't do that. Um, you can't take a 19-inch front wheel into the woods all day long and come out the same person. Well, a 21-inch front wheel is definitely uh, is definitely preferable, and that's one of the things where you know Honda they had success, I think, with the Africa Twin was making that a 21-inch front wheel. Mm-hmm. And now what they need to do is come with an Africa Twin 650. Yeah, that is uh, well, and they you know or, again, or Africa Solo 650. And just do a single cylinder? Yeah. You know, well, they much? did those. I mean, they did the XL 650 motor for 25 years. Why not? Yeah, I guess that's true. How much power can you get out of that uh, single cylinder if you're going to kind of stay true to the. How much African do I need? Motor? I think you want at least 60, right? Oh, yeah. You want to go 60. You're talking about 60 miles an hour? No, or I'm saying horsepower. 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 I don't know. I you know I just want to be able to go, I want to be able to cruise at seventy miles an hour seventy five miles an hour on the highway comfortably. Sure. And if I need a little throttle, I can get it up to eighty if I have to. Yeah. And there's some places where you could ride eighty all day long, like in Montana, right? Uh yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, you could ride, you know, a hundred all day long in Montana. There's a lot of open country out there. But I'm talking about you know the physical capacity limits of a single cylinder. What's the I wonder what, on a motorcycle, what the biggest horsepower output has been for a single-cylinder engine. Mm. I don't know off the top yeah. of my head. It'd be fun to look that up. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question there. But, but I agree. I mean, I would love to see a, a pared-down Africa Twin or Africa Solo, as you, see, as you said. Anything um, Or even if it window. was a twin, you know, like because like, they got the NC motors that are twins that are super fuel-efficient. And, they, sure. and they'll go at a good pace. So just take the NC700 or NC750 now and convert that whole thing around to a 21-inch front wheel, 19 in the rear. Uh, got enough subframe there to put some luggage on, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we have a winner. And I know there was some speculation out there. I think there were a few mock-ups floating around. I saw one in particular was a Africa Twin 700 based on that same motor that uh, – was turquoise i seem to recall but you got to watch out for those honda mock-ups oh yeah well they'll, especially they'll trick now. you every time yeah, they are. <laughs> they're a dime a dozen out there now it certainly seems that way but um, i remember 20 years ago they had a mock-up for a 750 cc scooter step through scooter oh boy and then uh hey guess what in japan this year they're gonna get that it's not the same model but it's it's uh i think it's called I don't remember the name of the model, but it was, uh, I wanted it, but I got the 600, so that's okay. Would you really, if that hit the shores here, is that something you'd look seriously at, huh? Uh, I probably would, because mine is 60,000 miles now, and I'm either going to have to go and redo all the suspension or find a new scooter. 
Oh yeah, God, sixty thousand miles on the gold on the uh, was Silverwing. Yeah, on the Silverwing. Yeah, and wow. thirty-five thousand of those are on uh, fire roads. No, just Woo! kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, that's you know we've talked about that b- before. That's the uh, direction that Honda is trying to go with some of their uh, some of their scooter platforms. So we'll see. That won't be out of the question in the future. So let, let's talk about uh, Supercross. We're looking forward to the new year here, and, and we've we've seen a Supercross schedule. What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, it certainly looks like they are taking matters uh, sort of into their own hands as best they can as far as scheduling because all of the dates are in four or five cities, mostly Florida, Texas. No, I shouldn't say mostly, but there's a couple in Texas, a, uh, a few in Florida, Daytona Beach and Orlando, and then some Indianapolis, Atlanta, and Salt Lake City dates. So they're being uh, concentrated into arenas where, I mean, I guess the speculation is they're going to have more predictable gathering sort of regulations here. Um, but nothing in the Pacific Northwest. Salt Lake City is going to be your closest shot. Closest one. So, uh, you know, if you're, we're going to talk about some bucket list rides for 2021 later on in the show. But, you know, maybe maybe Salt Lake, if you're a Supercross fan and you like to get on your bike and go and churn up some miles, maybe you want to go out and do a trip to Salt Lake this summer. Yeah, that wouldn't be uh, – I mean, obviously, still in that – the Salt Lake City dates are April 24th and May 1st. So we're just kind of – even be hot then. Yeah, well, <laughs> it certainly won't be hot. You want to uh, double-check and see what the capacity is for heated gloves on your Harley-Davidson live wire before you take off on it, but – Um, you might be able to make that work, right? If you're coming down from Eastern Oregon, or even if you do sort of the, uh, Columbia river gorge trek into Idaho and then squeeze down through Pocatello and into Salt Lake city, you might be able to do that. I don't know what the Northern elevation is coming into Salt Lake city. Salt Lake itself is pretty high, but I'm not sure if if there's a pass you have to Well, if you're coming down through Idaho, you're going to go down around craters of the moon and through Arco. There's not, you're not going to be up at, at any, I mean, you're going to have be up in the sawtooth at some point. So yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll have some elevation. It depends on what your route is. You know, I, I prefer the scenic byways. So I'd rather skip Boise and, and stay off the interstate and do the scenic byways. And there's four scenic byways you can take to get down to Utah going through Idaho. That's awesome. Now, you've done some of the, uh, you've attended some of the outdoor shows down in Salt Lake City. Have you made rides down there from on, on any of those? Or? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're speaking from personal experience. I the- did a two week trip one time and went down through Northern California and then I crossed over into uh, Nevada and then into Salt Lake. And uh, went to the outdoor retailer show there, and then came up those scenic byways through Idaho, and and uh, I think it was about a two week trip total, which was nice because I had you know days that I wasn't on the bike, and that was cool. That's always great when you can split it up like that. And uh, Salt Lake City, a beautiful area. There's lots of lots of great roads in Utah, and we might just touch on that a little bit in uh, that bucket list tour um, discussion that we're going to have here in a bit but uh good to see supercross um trying to figure things out and if this is your wheelhouse i assume that at the very least it will be televised all of these dates so you'll be able to at least enjoy them remotely true 
True. All right, let's uh, let's take a little break, and we got some news bites when we come back. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, Al Brooks here uh, from Surrey, B.C. Um, lovely day here in British Columbia. Not to tell all the people that live elsewhere about that, but uh, one of my favorite riding places is Central Oregon, John Day area. I go there usually once a year, twice a year, and ride all around the roads there. Lots of curvy roads for uh, road road guys and lots of gravel roads for adventure touring guys and beautiful scenery. Hi, this is Chris Page from the Oregon Motorcycle Road Racing Association and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. In studio on this New Year's edition of the Sound Rider Show. And perhaps somewhat predictably, we're not going to have a calendar today, but we do have a whole roster of news bites starting right here in the Pacific Northwest. Isn't that right, Tom? Yep. We've been uh, watching the uh, news feeds all week, and there's been a lot of track days coming in. So if you. Uh if you like going and doing track days, uh, I don't think you're going to have a problem finding any. Let's see, in 2021. So uh, track time, which is Alan Schwen, is uh, 11 days scheduled. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, 11 days. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Uh, and then uh, Too Fast, who hasn't really been doing a lot, uh, this year, they're coming back with 11 dates, and OPRT is going to be doing 15 dates and possibly adding a few more as well. So, uh, Well, the go. message is uh, loud and clear, and unlike Supercross, those are going to be taking place right here in our backyards throughout the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I know a lot of those are going to be out at the Ridge. I think a few at Pacific Raceways in Kent and down at uh, Portland International Raceways, just off the top of my mind anyway. Yeah, and Too Fast is going to use uh, Oregon Raceway Park as well. So that's out there in northern central Oregon. So I wonder if maybe this will be the year. You know, we saw a huge jump in dirt and adventure bike sales last year. Now maybe that everyone has dirt and adventure bikes, it's time to get sport bikes and go to the track. Hey, there right? you go. Yeah, it's a good New Year's resolution for you. <laughs> or for everybody who has sport bikes already, it looks like it's going to be a good year for tire sales. Yeah, that's true. So get out there and uh, run a few track days this year. That maybe maybe that's one of those items I need to add to the bucket list. But then I'd have to get yeah, well, I guess I could borrow a motorcycle, but I'll take my Pan American down there. <laughs> well, there are people who go down with bikes other than sport bikes. No, for sure. I think uh, you see a lot of standards and street bikes and naked bikes at 
on these track days. And most of these guys are pretty good about accommodating first time and uh, beginning track day riders as well. So if you're listening and you're hesitant, don't be hesitant. Give these guys a call and see if you can make it happen this year. Yeah. Take a look at their schedules online. We're going we're gonna to get all that up on the calendar in the next couple of weeks here. So, well, we will look for that. And uh, if you want to take maybe a brand new Ducati down to one of these track days, you can do that just north of Seattle here. They'll be happy to sell you one. So Linwood Motoplex has done a whole redo on their showroom floor and uh, put in a big, beautiful, almost like a centerpiece when we see those pictures online for Ducati. So. Which, of course, makes sense after the uh, Ducati of Bellevue um, sort of went, uh, went away. God, how long ago has that been now? A year or a year and a half? I Actually, can't like a year and a half. It was like September of 2019. Yeah, I can't well, even. Well, it was uh, Ducati Bellevue and, and Ducati Seattle. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. And, uh, of course, uh, adding another one in there. Shortly after that, Linwood Motoplex, I think they've carried Ducati officially for a few months now, but now they're really working on the full showroom remodel. And from the pictures we could see on social media, it looks like they're really going all in. Yeah, I'll be interested to walk in there and take a look at that for real. Uh, And another uh, shop that's doing a big overhaul is uh, South Sound Motorcycles. Totally new floor in there and moving everything around. Um that's that's one I'm. I really can't see much from the pictures online, but I'll be interested to go in and check out that dealership shortly. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't seen the new floor, but I was down there probably just before they started that, and I don't know if they're cleaning out a a, a collector's you know, a personal collection or exactly how they're they're working on it. But every time I go down there, they have had some beautiful vintage bikes in there for sales a lot of old ducatis and bmws um have you had a chance have you been down there at all in the last couple of months no i haven't actually well if you're in the area you know and you're just looking for to kind of spend some time on a sunday to go look at some cool motorcycles especially here in the doldrums of winter you might just want to pop your head in there not only is the showroom looking good but they've got some pretty some pretty cool collector-ish items i mean they're they're motorcycles that are intended, I think, for the most part, to be bought and rode. But uh, fun to see see that stuff in person, especially we've had such limited access to museums and that kind of thing this year, of course. So Yeah, or um, lost museums. Yeah, and lost a lot of museums too, yeah. right? So we'll, we all look forward to the day when those things can reopen and um, we can, again, spend an afternoon taking in an old collection of motorcycles. So... Uh... Uh, outside of the Pacific Northwest, uh, bizarre stuff is going on. Um, a baby elephant in Thailand was struck by a motorcycle and revived using CPR. And that baby elephant got up and walked away. And I just so, felt so worried. <laughs> is this something that was on video? Uh, there is some video, but I think it's, uh, it, it, yeah, there's some video of the guy doing the CPR. You don't get to see the, uh, baby elephant get hit, but, but, uh, yeah. And there's, there's pictures and stuff. Just go and and search it on your news, whatever your news app is. Thai it's, elephant I just, CPR. I'm trying to figure out how this works because how do you, do you get the elephant on its back and then like, 
use a knee to do chest compressions and blow into the trunk? So the guy said that he really didn't know how to do this with an elephant, so he just used what skills he knew from doing CPR to humans. Okay. It's not it's not all blowing into the into the animal, it's also um the the pressure pumping yeah, the sure. heart, you know. Yeah, chest compressions. So uh so he says he used all of his skills that he knew for humans and was able to get the elephant going again. Well, I think the elephant was just taking a little nap. Yeah. (laughs) You wonder about uh, the direct uh, correlation here, but I guess that's one thing in North America we don't have to uh, keep an eye out for is is elephants on the roadway. Yeah, and another thing you won't have to keep an eye out for in North America, but this has been a problem in Europe, was that uh, BMW motorcycles had some clothing manufactured uh, and sold into the sold it into the European market some jackets and some gloves, and uh, they were uh, tainted with chromium six, which I guess is like the new Google browser. So no, no that's not right. <laughs> yeah, they were all uh, keeping track of your data while you ride, so they had to. Uh... They had to issue the recall there, but I don't. What is chromium six? Do you have any idea? Well, what, it's uh... Uh, they do use types of chromium to tan leather. And that was one you're not supposed to use, and somebody did it, and uh, it causes an allergic reaction on the skin. So you'd kind of know pretty soon after you put the gloves on for sure if you if you were if you were getting into some chromium six gloves. But I bet you nobody's going to have a chromium six model next year for gloves, huh? No. And uh, I think they're probably going to scrap their springtime slogan of uh, BMW motorcycles, itching to ride. Probably won't uh, bring Ooh, that through me there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, and then you were you were relaying about how BMW had a problem earlier this summer that we never talked about. And uh, if anybody hasn't gotten hip to this yet, there's been a, a number of stop sale and recalls on uh, some 2019 and 2020 models. Yeah, so for BMW, I think this is was officially released in the end of August um, from NHTSA and BMW of North America, but there's a recall and stop order sale that affects uh, just over 9,000 motorcycles, and of those models included are the 2019-2020 R1250 GS and GS Adventure, also the 2019-2020 1250RT, and the 2020S1000RRs and XR models. And uh, basically, uh, your front brake caliper may leak. Um, degrading braking capabilities is kind of from the NHTSA report here. So if you've got one of those models, I'm sure you've probably already, they're fairly new, so you've probably already been served with the paperwork. But if you're like me and you only check your mail once a month, or once every three months, as it may be, you might want to just keep your uh, keep your eye out on this because you certainly don't want to lose lose braking, especially out here in the mountains. No, oh, or at a track day, or at a track day. Where the S1000RR is a popular model at the track days, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, so just just to be aware of that, you know, that's something that I think sales were stopped, and I don't know if they've resumed since, but I know as of about six weeks ago or so, a lot of the dealers had to kind of pull those models from the showroom floor. And this is something that affected the BMW 310s similarly um, earlier in the year as well, and earlier in 2020, I should say. 
Yeah, and if your S1000RR has a BMW GS310 braking system, you should probably get that replaced. Yeah, don't, uh, don't look at that as a, a stopgap. You want something <laughs> that's got a little, more, uh, a little more coverage for sure. Uh, Rider Magazine, more, more trouble in the print world. Uh, Rider Magazine is going, let's see, they're going all digital. I'm not sure if that's part of it, but I know that uh, Mark Tuttle, who was the editor-in-chief for 30 years there, is uh, out. And Clement Salvadori has written his last column. He's been writing for Writer for 35 years. So uh, lots of shakedown, lots of changes. And uh, I've, uh, yeah, it's going all digital, and I've been getting it digital for about a year now, I think. I don't mind it. I, I you know, I much prefer to get my magazines digital for, for multiple reasons. Um, I don't like having these stacks of magazines and then handing them off to you every three months. Right. <laughs> You're probably like, oh, God, Tom's got another load of magazines for me. Yeah, and then uh, my recycling guys get to eventually take care of those too. But um, I think you know, I think you're right. Obviously, on the full digital front, it just is. It's easier to consume, at least for me. I understand the the appeal, the uh, you know, sort of the tactile feel of turning the pages. But this is uh, this is it's a little saddening because uh, Clem and Mark. I mean, Rider Magazine has long been one of my favorite mm-hmm. motorcycle magazines, and. Uh, you hope whoever is going to be taking over the reins can sort of carry on some of that, um, some of that flavor because it was such a such a good motorcycle magazine for such a long time. So I'm I'm hoping that they can continue to have success and that we'll see Mark and Clem pop up in other places too. Yeah, that's probably true. We'll probably see them as guest writers once in a while or something. Um, what what I think is good is uh, we've got you know. <laughs> Under me, there's two more generations of people uh, that are younger than I, and I don't think that they have been getting uh, the best media. Of course, you know, also they're more into their Instagram and that sort of thing, and I don't think they just – they don't get as much quality information because they're thumbing through pictures all the time. And I hope that uh, Ryder comes up with, you know, some younger, fresher – type stuff that will grab these people and uh, enrich their lives as motorcyclists. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I, I certainly hope that's the case too. I think, you know, we are starting to see some shift a little bit. I know um, I would give credit, you know, the Revzilla guys, I think actually have done quite a good job on their blog and uh, they've brought over um, the former motorcyclist guys who then went to, uh, then went to Moto Trend for a little while. It was Ari and oh and yeah, Zach. the two guys who made the videos. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting. But I think I think we're we're definitely now looking to sort of a uh, a period for the next four or five years. I think we're going to see some real big shakeups just in the motorcycling world in general, just because it's it's all kind of on a legacy model, and uh, things are are going to turn a page to. Uh, not to insert a bad pun there, but I think we're going to see some differences emerge in the next couple of years. And by all means, in five years from now, there won't be a print magazine you can get off the newsstand for motorcycles. Yeah, I, I would be shocked, other than special edition ones, right, where they try to uh, 
pack in some sort of anthology twice a year or something like that and sell it by the, I don't know, one-click uh, subscription model via Amazon or whatever it may be. But uh, hmm. monthly monthly subscribers, I think. <laughs> It'll be a print-on-demand, won't it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you'll go down to uh, go down to FedEx and then get your motorcycle thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing that I that I really like about digital magazines is in my living room um, at home, I have a lot of indirect lighting, but I don't have any direct lights right, like you know, right behind my chair and stuff like that. Ah. So. I, this time of year, when we only have about seven hours of daylight in Seattle, uh, I, I, that's a limited amount of time I can actually read a paper magazine with any clarity on it without having to fire up a flashlight or something. So uh, digital magazines, I love it because I just grab my tablet and I kick back and it's all visible. I can read it just fine. Well, so there you go. It turns out it's not a youth movement but a senior movement that's taking us all, t- taking us all digital, huh? Well, I'm young at heart. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, Ducati, uh, been famous for the last 20 years of coming up with motorcycles that cost $30,000 and, and uh, always trying to give you a good reason to buy them. And who knows, maybe you'll buy another $30,000 worth of carbon fiber accessories too. Uh, but this year's trick is a little different. Um, they've designed a Diavel called the 1260 Lambo model or Lamborghini model and uh and it it's uh supposed to be sort of a reflective art to the Lamborghini I'm not going to say it right but I think you say scene uh S-I-E-N and uh and they got the same color so I think Derek what you got to do this year is you got to get the new Diavel 1260 but you can't buy it without buying the Lambo too. Well, I think that only makes sense. And if we're going to be making New Year's resolutions, you know, you got to set your goals high. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about this earlier. What are you going to do? Are you going to get a hitch carrier for that? Or how does that work when you're trying to get around in your, in your Lamborghini and your Ducati? Because you got to show them both off at once, right? Well, yeah. Well, see, I don't want to put a lot of miles on the Lamborghini. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a trailer hitch to connect to the back of the Diavel. There you go. And then I can tow the Lamborghini wherever I go and then just kind of ride it to get groceries or food or whatever, you know, and sightsee. And then I'll hook it back up and continue to ride the bike. Smart move. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder um, – I mean, this is branding-wise, I, I, this seems like this is a, a, a totally appropriate crossover here. But I wonder, like, collector-wise, what will we will be seeing if in, you know, 10 years, will these appreciate at a significant increase because of the, the tie-in here in the limited models? Or is this something that is just going to kind of go go by the wayside i'm always I'm, i never know how to forecast these well there's only going to be 630 made worldwide at a cost of thirty two thousand dollars each and i've seen a photograph of the two of them together the car and the bike so i'm i'm looking forward to the day i walk into like the america's car museum in tacoma and i get to see them together in person but i wonder you know how many how many times that will happen on the planet? How many people are going to buy both? I'd say uh, it's a terrific question. Or how many, uh, how many Lamborghini dealers are going to give you a free Ducati with the purchase of a Lamborghini? Oh, ho, ho, right? there you go. 
Because after all, what, a Lamborghini is now like $270,000 or something crazy? I think at the very least. I yeah. think you can probably go anywhere from about two hundred and fifty k up to over a million. Wow. Wow. Huh. Well, that's that's how you get you. Just wait. Just wait till the end of the model year and then get the deal from the Lamborghini <laughs> guy. Get one of those hot deal Lamborghinis. And and speaking of uh, Ducati moving forward, uh, their electric bicycles are now available at dealers. So if you like red, go check them out. So this seems to be the electric. Now you've been on the electric bike. How long have you had an electric bike? Uh, like eight years. I think I've had that bike eight years now. And what's the? How much? increase in range have we seen because what is it that's eight years old so the one that i have range? is a 20 mile range okay uh but that's you know that's 20 flat miles so if i ride it from here up to the top of queen anne which is a seven mile distance uh, i can usually get it back home no problem but um so that's 14 i can do 14 round trip on it but it's it's ready for a charge by the time i get back I got you. And what do you know any specs on these Vespa electric bikes? Uh, well, we hadn't talked about the Vespa yet, but um, oh, did I jump one there? Yeah, you jump. Oh yeah, Ducati electric bikes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those are Ducati or electric bicycles, and then Vespa is coming with a uh, electric scooter called the Electrica, and I don't have the specs on either one of those. Well, we're seeing. I'm wondering, are because all of these. These batteries for all these different electric bikes and these electric motorcycles, are they all coming out of the same factory? What do you think? The batteries themselves? Yeah, because is it – I mean, it's not like the manufacturers are taking control of the actual battery. No, this is where you go and hire someone like you, also to make your batteries for you. Right. We talked about that a couple months ago. Well, it seems like it's probably a pretty good time to be in the battery business. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I do, you know, I like I like picking up those really super light lithium ions. I wish that they had rechargeable lithium ions in like the double A size cuz then I would just like pack 60 to 100 of those things together and put them on my bicycle, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, why not make every bike an electric bike? <laughs> All right. Well, that's our news bites. Uh, We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some bucket list rides for 2021. We'll be right back. Support for SoundRider and the SoundRider Show is made possible by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com rally. Hi, I'm Jim from Seattle. My primary bike is the Triumph Explorer 1200. My favorite riding is in northern British Columbia. This is Jose Mateu with Skagit Power Sports, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. into 2021 and rolling right along with some dream bucket list rides 
Tom, I know that uh, you've been hard at work and you've got a few up your sleeve here. And I, too, have a couple of motorcycle rides that I would like to conquer here in the new year. Why don't you start us off with your first one? We could kind of go back and forth a little bit. Okay. Well, you know, as as I get a little older, um, I want to have some more relaxing times on motorcycles and not have like 500-mile days day after day after day. Sure. So uh, what I came up with uh, is a uh, – I want to do a cloverleaf week in central Oregon. Nice. And what I mean is that I'll ride down and get into position wherever I'm going to stay at for the next four or five days. And then uh, I get up one day, let me, you know, call it Monday if you want, and uh, I'm going to go ride west and make a loop out west and come back. And then I'll be back at the same place I'm staying. And then uh, Tuesday, I'll make a loop up north. Wednesday, a loop out to the east. And Thursday, a loop down south. But uh, I won't have to pack up all my stuff every time because I'll just be staying at the same place the whole time. And, yeah, I think uh, that's a great idea. And one of the benefits of that course of staying in the same place is that you can up your uh, your camp cooking game, right? Because you can go and uh, stake out a grocery store in town there. You can get your fire all set up, and you can you can really go to town and have some nice evenings when you return from a day of riding. Well, and you can decide if you if you if you want to do camping, if you want to do hotel, motel, or you could mix that up. But you'd have to pack up every day if you did. Um, I would I would probably want to either do like a you know what I'd like to do is like rent a yurt somewhere. Oh, there you go. There. Yeah, and uh, and do do you know just kind of have my own little place that's not uh, four walls of a hotel room. But uh, and there's you know there's plenty of places around that are yurts or cabins or whatever little tiny cabins you know like a state park that kind of thing. For sure. So, so would this be kind of you know in the general sort of bend area that you try to get set up, and that way you could really get to the the farthest reaches there, or you got some other place in mind? No, I think bend would be the logical place because then if you needed any stuff for your bike. Uh, you know, there's a couple of motorcycle shops in town, so you've got that available to you. And uh, food options are all over the place. And one of the one of the things that that I like about the Bend area is there's a lot of of resorts around there sure. that have some pretty decent restaurants. So obviously, I would always want to build um, a good restaurant into the lunch part of the day or into the evening part. Uh, mornings, I can pretty much take care of myself. I don't need to go. It's kind of hard to find a good breakfast anywhere nowadays anymore. Well, that has been uh, long been a complaint for you in the Pacific Northwest. But uh, I guess camp breakfast it is then, right? Yeah. Something simple, you know, with lots of protein to get well, me to lunch. Right. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta stay satiated, especially when you're out on long days, uh, longer days on the bike, and you never know what the the weather te- uh, temperatures are going to be like either, but uh, I think that sounds like a great idea. That would be a uh, that would be a great sort of week uh, coming out of Bend. It would make a great article too. If once you do complete that, if you've got some tips to pass along, I'm sure listeners and readers would be would eat that up. Yeah, yeah. I think I got to work that up more. So well, what about uh, you? What's your first one? Yeah. So sort of uh, along the. Um, you know, week or over theme here in the Pacific Northwest. And maybe I will catch you on your, your Northwest swing out of Bend there, but I would like to do sort of a 
Pacific Northwest Grand Tour. And that would be, for me, going all the way down Oregon and then coming up the Oregon coast, cutting across into the northern Cascades through Washington. And then if Canada's opening, open, just skirt over the border and down into northern Idaho. And if not, stay below the border, but then come through northern Idaho a little bit and maybe do a little riding around in the, uh, you know, the Nez Perce Clearwater, Clearwater National Forest area. And then with time being a factor, I'd probably hop on 90 and come back. But I'd really like to do spend like 10 days out there and just chop up some miles, pitch the tent, and just see some of the real highlights uh, all throughout the Pacific Northwest. If you do that trip, you need to talk to me. Well, I know. Because uh, i got to get you off of 101 as, as much as possible. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that would be the, that would be the goal, to, to ride 101 as little as possible down in the southern Oregon coast area, or the Oregon coast area in general. But uh, I know, obviously, you've done some road trip tours all through there, and there's just so much to see. And I've really never spent uh, much time on the Oregon coast. And um, I think that this might be the year. This would be something that I'd, I'd really like to do. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of miles if you did that. Well, the old DR is up to it. That's yeah. all I can say. So yeah. slow and steady wins the race there. Uh, well, my next one is, uh, I don't know if it's really, I guess it sort of is similar to the Central Oregon one. I'd like to go to Willamette Valley. There's a lot of places that I want to go uh, explore, a lot of attractions I want to explore. And there's a lot of great roads around there. And so I'd like to go and spend a week in the Willamette Valley. That might be a cloverleaf thing, but it might just be, hey, I'm going to go you know, to this destination today and come back the same way and whatever. But because uh, uh, that's really coming along down there with all the, the wine growing that's going on and – uh, some of the attractions are kind of cool down there. If you're if you're near airplanes, there's a lot of good air museums within a day's ride of the Willamette Valley. So, yeah, I think that's another great suggestion. And hopefully, unlike some of the motorcycle museums and other museums, hopefully the airplane museums will continue to be operational in the year ahead. There, but uh, always, um, always a lot to see in Oregon. I know we talk about it. It seems like we quite often here on the on the podcast, but. There's so much uh, in the way of museums in Oregon that it's really, if you're not dedicating some time to that, you're, you're kind of missing out on what the state has to offer. Yeah, yeah. And, and weird stuff, you know, not just all like airplanes, but right. some oddities that you won't see anywhere else. Well, that's, uh, that's, I think that's Oregon's state motto, right? Oddities that you won't see anywhere else. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was "Don't Tread on Me." Oh, that might be it too. I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't keep track track of the mottos here. But I think another another good suggestion, certainly for our listeners. And um, I guess the real question is too: Are you going to be undertaking these on the on the scooter or the uh, the NC seven hundred? Or what do you think? Your NC seven fifty? What do you think? I think I think the NC seven hundred is the bike for twenty twenty one for me. Yeah, <clears throat> I've, well, I've you know I've looked at getting another dual sport, and I just. I ain't there yet, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a tough it's a tough call to make. But uh, there's some 
you know, there's so much in the way of, and you've ridden the NC 700 at the, some knobby tires on it. And it does quite well on the four service roads. So unless you're really trying to get gnarly. Yeah. In fact, I actually switched it back to, uh, what are they? I guess they're, they're 80, 10, 20s on there now. Okay. So, but that's fine. Cause I don't do anything crazy when I'm out on those four service roads. So, and plus, you know, yeah, I got, uh, I got 18 inch or 17 inch wheels front and rear. So, you know, I can go and do some uh, some dirt stuff, but I'm not going to do, like, any single track stuff or any kooky roads that are all rutted up and whatever. Sure. What's yeah, your next well, that, one? The NC750 will certainly get you there. So, for me, I'm going to go – I'm going to jump a little out of the Pacific Northwest for this one. And although I already burn up quite a bit of uh, vacation time on my Pacific Northwest Grand Tour, I'm thinking – Eastern Utah, Western Colorado, and in particular, uh, sort of a loop between Moab and like the Durango area in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is such a, a beautiful area. I've had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time down there, but not in probably the last 12 or 13 years and uh, never on a motorcycle. So I would really like to get down there and do some dual sporting and just take in some of the uh, just stunning nature. I mean, Moab is such a beautiful place, as is Western Colorado and Durango. And uh, I think that would make for a really great trip. That might be something where I, I fly and ride and maybe do a rental down there or maybe trailer the bike down just to save some of those miles coming out from Seattle. But I think that that would be a, a lot of fun to do and um, – you know, looking at the map has got my my mind racing for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I always wanted to do a trip to Colorado where I rode all the high passes over ten thousand feet. Oh yeah, but you know, a- it's like three days there and then three days back, and then you got to go and hit. It's like twelve or fourteen passes, and uh, <laughs> I just never come up with the free time for that. Yeah, now that makes a uh, a real challenge for us, especially living this far in to the Pacific Northwest coming from practically Canada. But, you know, more and more I'm starting to see uh, individual motorcycle rental operators are starting to become a little bit more frequent than it was like 10 years ago. So that might be something where you can put stitch together a fly and ride and just, uh, you know, bring your gear with you in your duffel bag and hit the highway and go. Yeah, because I, I did do uh, a trip through uh, like Bryce was it Bryce Canyon? Yeah, Bryce Canyon. Sure. I did yeah. that, and it was kind of a flying ride. I flew in, and Eastside Harley Davidson threw a bunch of bikes on a truck, and then I I ended up riding a uh, a Buell ST3 or S3T uh, for that trip, which was kind of fun until the wind blew. Not very good in the wind tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it can get quite windy down there. Um, outside of the Bryce Canyon area there. But. Yeah, we did Bryce Canyon. We did the Four Corners. We did Monument Valley. We did uh, Grand Canyon. It was a really fun week. Yeah, that sounds like a hell of a trip, and especially on the old Buell there. That's actually reportedly a pretty decent motorcycle, I mean, outside of the wind protection. but Well, the all- fuel economy on that bike was stunning. It, you, you didn't really put it into fifth gear until you were doing about 55, but once you did, you were getting like 70 miles to the gallon on the bike. Wow. Yeah, that is a uh, – well, perfect for those open stretches of highway down there too. I mean you definitely want fuel economy to limit those uh, 
stops between fill-ups, but that is a uh, that sounds like a terrific trip. I mean, that's that might be one just worth recreating on its own. Yeah, yeah, true. So, uh, so what else you got there? Yeah. Uh, so for my last one, uh, something that I, I I never realized just how much I loved this place until this year when I couldn't really go out and ride a whole lot. And uh, it seems kind of odd to me that I haven't been in the Columbia River Gorge for what's going to basically be about two years. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to going and doing all the pre-riding for the Rally in the Gorge this summer and uh, getting on some of those roads that I've been missing. I also have some places that even after, what is it now, 18 years, uh, I've got some places that I haven't ridden before that I want to go ride. So... Well, I, just, I, I think, just love uh, it there, you know? yeah, being away from there for two years, especially for you, that's got to seem like a lifetime. But you must be uh, quite excited, though, to get out and start doing some of the pre-riding, right? Like just uh, be awesome. Yeah. Thinking back to um, all the ideas from years past, some that you've done. And like you said, there's so much to explore down there. Even for a guy who's ridden down there consistently for two decades, you still find new things. And it's going to be interesting to see who's open still and, and who's shut down. And maybe there's been, you know, there's been a lot of new places that have opened during the pandemic. So uh, I don't know down there, but I know around Seattle, there's been a, a number of new restaurants that have opened here in town. And, Very you know, true. And just kind of open up and start selling to go until things are better. And they're doing it. That's right. There's another bucket list item, a local, uh, local takeout tour. Right, you get a nice sunny day here in January, and you just go and uh, check out some of the new restaurants in your area on your motorcycle. Yeah, we did. In fact, you know, Connie and I kind of did that um, back in November. We did a uh, a cinnamon roll tour. Ah, through the North Cascades, and uh, we didn't run the article in Soundwriter, but we did run it in the Seattle Dining Magazine, the sister magazine, and uh, uh, it's quite fun. We spent and the whole who, day going to bakeries all through the North Cascades. And who took home top prize on that? For that the would be uh, Cinnamon Twisp. One. Oh, you know, I think we talked about that a little bit on the show. I remember that. That's it was a few awesome. months ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a, uh, a a hot tip here, a bonus tip before we get to tips and tricks. But uh, yeah, I think that sounds uh, that sounds like a great trip, though, and a great idea. To um to get out and ride here, start planning now, right? Oh yeah, you got to plan now. Yeah, that's what the off season quote unquote is for. But well, especially uh, like if you're going to be wanting to get cabins or yurts, you're going to need to get those booked in January because they'll be gone by February. Yeah, well that's true. Especially you know now we had such a it was really such a big year for outdoor recreation, families going out camping and that kind of stuff. A lot of the secrets are going to be out, so. You're going to want to get on those reservations as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got one more for you. Yeah. And uh, this kind of piggybacks on our news bite earlier about all the track days going up. And you know what? I've never ridden on any of the tracks here in the Pacific Northwest. So my bucket list ride item is to ride on all of the open tracks here in at least Washington. Um. And to try to put some miles on just to get that experience under my belt. I've visited a lot of the tracks, but I've actually never ridden on them. So I'm hoping that this year will be the year to do that. You know, um, I just not real – personally, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go out and go around in circles with a bunch of people that I don't know. 
who all get to go as fast as they want to go. So, um, but I will say this, you know, Jesse does his, uh, Jesse from Cascade Motorcycles training, does his, uh, uh, well, yeah, street strategies days. And I think those are kind of controlled exercises that everybody does, and there's nothing really insane going on. And you might enjoy doing Pacific that way rather than getting just in a group of, 50 green riders that, you know, you don't know what they're going to do, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And that's actually such a great course. I've uh, sort of run support on um, a couple of those events the last couple of years with Jesse and he's a, a terrific teacher. And usually, you know, when you're, when you're in that sort of group, it's everybody trying to improve their skills. You're then there with a lot of good people. So that is a, that is a terrific way to chat, to tackle Pacific raceways. And uh, yes, that would be, that would be top on my list. Um, you know, we, we await dates for that in the, in the year ahead here. But a great way to do it. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, as, as everybody just heard, uh, the battery is dying over here on the laptop. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Cycle Barn of Smoky Point, your destination location for all things Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, and KTM. Featuring a large showroom and fully staffed service area, the Smoky Point Cycle Barn is the place to come and compare all the latest models, have your bike serviced, and shop for aftermarket apparel and parts. Visit them online at CycleBarn.com. Hi, I'm Ray Coop. I'm from uh, Surrey, B.C., and uh, one of my favorite roads is probably Curly Creek Road, which runs up towards Mount St. Helen between uh, Wind River Road. Hello, this is Peter Starr, the director of Take It to the Limit, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. of 2020 and into 2021 and you know we wouldn't kick things off without passing along a few tips and tricks tom what do you got for the new year uh i got something you can do in january while you're still waiting for the weather to break okay and that is uh if you've never done this before go on to google books and search up old motorcycle magazines and entertain yourself with, you know, maybe a copy of Cycle World from 1969 or American Motorcyclist from 1980. They had an article, uh, I think it was 81, a, a guy got up and, and rode his motorcycle around Mount St. Helens when they just had opened it. Uh, there's all kinds of fun articles to read that go way back. Uh, bike reviews, all that kind of stuff. So a little bit fun. Yeah, what a great tip. I didn't uh, realize that the anthologies that far back were just available. I mean, it makes sense when you say it, but I never even considered that. There has to be uh, just a treasure trove floating around out there waiting to be consumed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, pretty cool. I like that. That's a great, uh, that's a great tip and trick. I'm going to give that credit for both. Um, so here's my tip. For the new year, specifically for January here, and that is uh, test rides are free. 
I think that um, in addition to being looking for a, a new motorcycle and I was, as always speculating on new models that are going to come out, I think this is the year to, to take a spin on a few. And before you go, you know, you don't want to waste anybody's time there at the dealer. So try to pick an appropriate time to go and, and take a test ride and, you know, even be upfront about why you're there. But make sure you do a little research on the model. Think about how it may respond differently than the current bike that you ride and really try to soak it in. Try to kind of understand the differences that, uh, you know, rake and trail between motorcycles can make the way that the weight carries, the way the suspension carries, and try to think about that because as those skills develop and you sort of get, you know, stronger muscles in those areas, I think that's really how you find your dream motorcycle. You know, we do so much of it off of looks, which is totally fine. I'm a big fan of that too, but you know, the dream I think is to always have more than one motorcycle and maybe you have that one that's there for looks, but you have that other one that's there just purely for riding pleasure. And I think taking some test rides and experiencing some different models and understanding uh, sort of some of the engineering principles behind it is a, is a great way to do that. So 2021 test rides are free. That's my tip. All right. That's a good one. Uh, I would just say on top of that, that, um, you know, be, be somewhat of a serious buyer. Just, just go joy ride these bikes just cause you know, Derek said, Oh, go check out the rake and trail on 30 motorcycles, you know, which he didn't say, but, um, but you know, a lot of times too, if you go in and you want to do test rides, you're going to want to qualify you first. So <laughs> you should be prepared for that. It's not just uh, give them your insurance card and your driver's license and ride away. Sometimes they want to want to do a financial verification on you and all that before they will let you take the bike out. So. And that's my second tip, which is to have good credit. <laughs> there you go. All righty. Sounds like we got a show. There we go. 2021, man. Can you believe it already? The, uh, the new year is here and uh, certainly hoping that it is a, a productive, prosperous, and ride-filled one for everybody. Yep. All right. Well, I think we, we gave plenty of food for thought for people to think about. And, and uh, go do your homework now, and we'll meet you all back here for the February show. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.